0: It's the 40th anniversary of the Northeast Conference, and all year long, we'll revisit some of our most memorable moments with our most memorable athletes. Today, we're turning the clock back nearly 20 years. One of the best, most accomplished teams in the history of the Northeast Conference in any sport. It's the 2001 FDU Knights men's soccer team, which won its second straight NEC title and then won three consecutive NCAA tournament matches to advance to the Elite Eight and then gave a great game to North Carolina once they got there. We'll talk all about that today it's my pleasure to have Head Coach Seth Rowland and two of the key figures from that 2001 FDU team, Aaron Pay and Johnny David. Coach, you'll get us started right away here. When you think about that 2001 team, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Why were they so special? Well, they had tremendous
1: uh, innate competitiveness uh, individually and collectively. Um, they were a lot of fun to work with. Uh, they uh, they were really, really solid defensively, uh, difficult to break down, difficult to get scoring opportunities against, and very explosive on the counterattack with Aaron Pay up top, with Dirceo Hurtado up top, with Johnny David coming out of the midfield. And uh, so they had this dynamic charisma as a team and as individuals off the field as well.
0: And many of these men were on the 2000 NEC Championship team which will lead me to my question for uh, Johnny and Aaron Um, coming back as the defending NEC champion. What was the mindset prior to that season? Uh, Did you have thoughts and, and dreams of a, of a deep NCAA tournament run? Was that a real possibility and something that, uh, you were working toward and something that you thought could come together, uh, in 2001.
2: Uh, well, you know, that, that 2000 season, which was a special season as well, um, kind of laid the groundwork, uh, where we knew that we were capable of winning the conference at the minimum. And that was the expectation going into 2001. And in 2001, we, you know, we had a trip to England, which made, you know, we played a lot of soccer and, um, as we as we you know as we played and, and developed as we progressed through the season, we kind of got the feeling that um, yes this team was very special and you know we were capable of great things and part of that I love him, a big part of it was Aaron like I said when he in 2000 he played at the midfield he you know he did a great he had a good season but he wasn't really that wasn't you know you, you you could see that he wanted to play up top and in 2001 he came onto this scene he exploded and like Coach said we were a very good defensive team but the fact that we could counter. With the explosiveness of Aaron, cell and those guys like that, made us a very dangerous team. And in my opinion, you know, Aaron was my favorite player to play with because he opened up the game so much. Because teams would worry about him, and you know, it opened up the game for the rest of us. And the fact that we had a couple other guys coming back, like Brian Romero, which was a big, big part of the team. And the fact that we were able to get him back for his fifth season, you know, for a retro season that he missed out on. Uh, it was, it was huge. And, you know, that was the expectation is as the season went on, we knew that we can do something special and, you know, had it, we, uh, we finally made it to the elite eight. Unfortunately we fell short, but it was a great season. And you mentioned the uh, position change for Aaron.
0: So that'll lead me to my question for you, Aaron. Um, You scored a number of key goals down the stretch and during that, that, um, you know, remarkable run that the Knights had, the position change how did that happen uh from one year to the next was that something that you lobbied uh coach Rowland for or um did, did did why did they just need you in the midfield in 2000 or maybe he didn't think that uh, you could deliver at striker like you wound up doing
3: yeah you know i always to get on him about that you know like i knew i knew coming in you know from high school i knew that i had the I had the game, I had the, you know, the speed to, to be able to play. But he told me, you know, for me to, to play, because we had, I think we, had a, we had a bunch of seniors. Um, we had a bunch of key players. And he told me for me to play, for me to play a lot, you know, um, I had to uh, move back to the midfield. And I knew that was a position that I'd never played before. But, you know, I took the challenge. Um, I did all right. But I knew, you know, if he and I and me and him talked, and I told him, I said, if you give me an opportunity to play up top, you know, I can do some things. And um, he ended up giving me that, that opportunity to play up top and, you know, and playing, a guy, you know, playing around guys like Johnny David and, and, and Dearson Otato and Danny Lozano. You know, those guys were, those guys are dangerous players, you know, and every time they got the ball, you know, they can beat one or two guys easily. It made my job, you know, made my job a lot easier just running off the ball and those guys will play me through and, and my job was to score goals.
1: And, and I did that in 2001. You know, Ralph, there's that joke that they say, name the only guy that could consistently keep Michael Jordan under 25 points in college. And the answer was Dean Smith, his coach. <laughs> after after the 2001 season when Aaron was scored 17 goals, I think I was the answer to a question. Who's the only guy who could, who could keep Aaron from scoring? And uh, uh, AP just, you know... He was playing wide midfield his freshman year. We had Dirceo, who was on fire that year, and we had Danny Lozano, who was a great complement to him. And I, honestly, I think AP took it as a challenge. And uh, I think between his freshman and sophomore years, he got fitter, he got sharper, he got more mentally focused. He realized he'd have to earn the spot. And, and you know, he accepted and embraced that challenge and, and did the job. So.
0: Well, before we revisit those NCAA tournament victories, I want to focus on the Northeast conference tournament. There was somewhat of a rivalry, uh, with LIU at the time. What do you remember about LIU, uh, standing in your way for a second straight NEC championship? And, uh, as it turns out, uh, you played what you can consider an epic match, uh, against them in the, uh, NEC playoffs.
2: Uh, yeah, the, I think the fact that we were the defending champs, we did well in the regular season, put a big target on our back and LIU, you know, they were a very gritty, tough team and they kind of, you know, we took everyone's best shot. And in that, uh, in that postseason of the NEC uh, tournament, uh, that game was, that was a tough game, man. Four overtimes. Let me tell you, I uh, during one of the overtimes, I, I, I was going to turn to Seth and say, please take me out, because that's how exhausted I was. But this is, honest, God's honest truth, Aaron came on the field, and then I got a second win, because because like just the fact that I knew we had this guy who would come on the field and change the game for us, I was like, I want to be part of this if we win. I don't, you know, don't want to miss out. So I found whatever energy I had left to finish that for overtime game. But that was by far the longest game of my life. And it was uh, grueling. And, and hats off to the LIU. They were, they were a tough team and was, it was a good team. To, to lend some perspective, Ralph, I,
1: I would suggest that the FDU-LIU men's soccer rivalry has been uh, an, an incredible rivalry over the years. Um, and it was, uh, it was the same uh, in 2001 and beyond. Uh, 2001, in the championship game, we played LIU, and that was before the final year, before they reduced overtimes to two 10-minute overtimes and then a penalty kick shootout. Back then, they allowed four 15-minute overtimes before the penalty kick shootout. And we won the championship game two to one uh, in the fourth overtime. And the scenario was in the semifinal, we beat Quinnipiac one 0 on AP scored the, the winner. And, uh, but he, he took an injury, he took a Charlie horse on a tackle in that game and had to come hobbled off. And uh, <clears throat> we didn't think he'd be ready for the championship game on Sunday, but Kathy Liggett, who is our senior women's administrator now was our head trainer. And she worked furiously with Aaron to get him ready for the championship game. And, and we didn't start him. And he didn't play till the end of the game till the end of regulation, I think, till both teams were pretty tired after playing a semifinal on Friday. We brought him in, I think, the end of regulation. And then he played a bit there and then brought him back in at different spots during overtime. And in the fourth overtime, everyone's exhausted. And AP now had a level playing field with his injury. And with his pace and explosiveness, he, you know, latched, he latched onto, leaped onto a through ball in the penalty area and got uh, fouled, gone a goal. And uh, Orsay Kozeski, who played for us, won three championships as a player, a fourth as a coach, fourth in a row, because he was my assistant for 13 years. He buried the PK and we won two to one. And uh, and it was mayhem. You know, it was, uh, that was an epic game for sure. And, uh, you know, LIU was a very good team and it took everything we had to beat them, it built a resilience in us going into the NCAAs, uh, where then what we'll get to is, is winning in three overtimes in that game. So, you know, it was uh, something where these guys just, to, it hardened these guys and, uh, and we were ready for the NCAAs and took it one day
0: at a time, one game at a time. Aaron, how do you remember that championship match for overtime victory against LIU?
3: Yeah, no, just like like Coach said, that probably had to be one of the worst injuries I had, you know, because I got the ball turned and tried to push it past one of their players, and he just stuck his knee
1: out and got me right in the middle of the thigh.
0: This is yeah, in the Quinnipiac semifinal, right?
1: It was actually not it was at Quinnipiac, but it was against UMBC. Yes. Hell? You're
2: right. You're right.
1: Yes, yeah. And I and I took it in the
3: and I took it in the thigh. And it was just I couldn't I couldn't move. So I, I was out for the rest of that game. And then and just like just like coach said, I spent probably the whole I probably the whole night with Kathy, you know, icing and and STEM and you know, anything that she could do to try to get me to play on Sunday. And, um, and on Sunday, you know, I try to run, but, you know, I could still feel the pain in there. So I told coach, maybe just hold me, just just keep me out, kept me out, you know. And then when it got to overtime, I was, I was back in his ear again. Coach, just put me back <laughs> in one more time. Let me see what I could do. And I ended up getting the ball on the wing and just I took two guys on and the last guy ended up just dragging me down in the box. And and, I, and actually, the, the, the cool thing about it, coach actually put a, uh, a video for us a, a month ago. So I was able to watch that. And I, and I picked the ball up. I was so happy. Ran it right over to Orsay. It was like, Orsay, you know, just well,
0: put us through and end up putting it through. So you earned the penalty kick with, uh, I guess, an assist from Kathy Liggett. Um, <laughs> we'll give her uh, some props there. And then the rest is history. You win the match in four overtimes, defeating LIU for the second straight championship. Now, we move on to the NCAA tournament. It starts off against Boston College, a three overtime affair following the four overtimes in the NEC championship match. What do you remember most about this one-goal win over Boston College?
2: Uh, I, I can take that. Uh, I know for me personally, it was kind of bittersweet uh, uh, in the 70th minute or whatever. However, towards the, towards the end of the towards the middle of the second half, I actually got my second yellow card and got uh, ejected from the game. And for me, the biggest thing is I felt like I let these guys down. They they you know we were playing so well, you know we were, we were giving it to, you know we were it was a great game and we were doing really well. And I felt like man, I just let the team down, but testament to these guys with their resiliency and how tough they are and how deep we were. I mean, we had a good squad. Those guys stepped it up and thank God, you know, they were able to pull off in the end and give me an opportunity to play later on in the tournament. But for me personally, I was very disappointed that I almost let the team down, but I was very grateful that these guys stepped up and uh, got a very important win against a very good BC team. That was a great game. That was fantastic game.
3: No, just to go back on that game, I thought, to be honest, I thought it was a bogus red card. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we, we were all surprised that the ref gave Johnny a, a, a second yellow. Maybe he forgot that Johnny already had a yellow. Um, so with him going off and knowing that, you know, we had to play down a guy, um, you know, was, was tough. And coming off that four-overtime game, you know, a lot of our guys were tired. You know, and, but when one thing I think they did—I don't know if you guys can remember this, coach. I don't know—they they ended up watering the field for some reason, and and guys were slipping all over the place, and uh, and I knew, you know, that you know with my speed, you know, it, it just took one guy to slip, and and their guys, you know, guy ended up going down, and I got the ball and ended up um, finishing it. So my dad was able to be there, you know, he lived in um, Philly, and it was hard for him to get to games and. It was the game that he was able to get to, and I ended up
0: scoring a goal, and I ended up running over to him and giving him a hug. <laughs> now, that's awesome. In, in the third overtime of what was a scoreless game, um, and FDU playing down a man on top of it, uh, coach, your thoughts about that victory over BC in the first round? Yeah, so
1: for like 70 minutes, we're we're out playing them we just looking for the goal waiting for the goal to come and then the second yellow card where I think uh exactly what happened is uh it was a soft yellow Uh, it was a legitimate foul which the ref was saying Johnny dived dove but um he didn't uh video will support that he gives a second yellow, forgot that he had given a first yellow, play goes on and he has to stop play and give the second yellow and a red. So, what uh, a little background which no one knows about is 2 days later after we beat Princeton in the second round at Princeton 2 to 1, we're in we're having a team meal at the Princetonian diner and and my cell phone, back then cell phones were probably like this big, you yeah. know, And uh, my cell phone rings and I answer it. I go, hello. You know, we're all just happy eating, big win, heading to the Sweet 16. And I won't say who the ref was in that game. uh, But the referee called after the next game, the Princeton game, after we won. he goes, Seth, I just want you to know that after you guys, I'm the next happiest guy because I made a mistake against Boston College. So, you know, that's a fact, that phone call happened. Um, Referee made a mistake, was man enough to own up to it after the next game, you know. But uh, what I remember about that game where we're out playing Boston College, but it's 0-0, Boston College is a solid team. Johnny gets the second yellow and now we're a man down, we're heading to overtime. Uh, Sergio, uh, one of our, our center backs were Brian Scott and Sergio Raquelme. Our right back was Matthew Savaria. Our left back was Tafari Lang. Our goalkeeper was Vitas Lankudis. Um, you know, uh, Sergio, one of our center backs cleared a ball off the line uh, in one of the overtimes, um, and. Other than that, it was kind of back and forth. Aaron had a semi-breakaway. Their keeper came out and saved it. And then uh, third overtime, a minute in, uh, he runs onto a through ball down the left side, cuts inside and buries it. And it was a great celebration. And, and that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, it's on to the second round. 40 hours later, at Princeton against Princeton who had a bye. So, but we, all we cared about is we, we didn't care. We were just, we were ecstatic.
0: NCAA second round. Now you mentioned Princeton, the number 12 team in the country at the time and another one goal victory. This was a two to one victory. I believe Aaron scored the game winner in the 80th minute, FDU against Princeton, two-one, the Knights win to advance to the Sweet 16. Aaron, take us back to that game winner in the 80th minute.
3: Yeah, before we get to that game winner, I we we ended up um, I ended up asking Coach um, to bring in a guy that also um, that I play with here in Minnesota to bring in a guy named Nate Olson. And he ended up listening to to me on that one, bringing a guy in like Nate. And Nate was a guy that was very dangerous in the air, you know. And to go back on that first goal, you know, we got a free kick and um, I whipped it in to Nate. And Nate got up and buried it, you know. So we ended up going up 1 0. And then I think they ended up, um, they they, they got a PK, right?
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, Princeton got a PK and one of their big time players missed it. Um, so, but they ended up tying the game,
1: and then in the 80th minute. That's not what happened, a... AP. AP, your memory has failed you. <laughs> and and, and I'm, I'm lucky. I got a memory like an elephant. So what happened is AP's yeah. right, seven minutes in. So first half, we're still kind of <laughs> tired from Friday night triple overtime, and Princeton's rested. And I just said to the guys, let's try to make this a half a game. Let's just get to halftime, 0-0. Zero, zero. So we were we were on our heels, and Princeton was a very good team, like you said. 12th in the nation, hosting, hosting the game, and uh, we get there, 0-0. Zero, zero. Seven minutes into the second half, we get a free kick wide, AP whips it in, and you have to understand, Nate Olsen was very good in the air, but Nate Olson's like 5'8". Yeah. He's only <laughs> 5'8". But Nate Olson is a tough dude. <laughs> he, he's a tough dude. And he's going up against these Princeton guys who are like 6'1", 6'2". And AP whipped in a great ball. Nate heads it in. We go up 1-0. And then they miss a PK. Okay? And then in the 80th minute... uh. Aaron, a ball's played in behind on a counterattack behind their defenders. AP runs onto it, and he scores a breakaway to put us up 2-0. How could you forget that, AP? Oh, yes. It was 2-0. I, I didn't know. That. <laughs> I forgot about it. And then I'll let Aaron – I'll just lend one thing. Three minutes to go, they scored a bit of a fluky goal, and it was a madhouse the last three minutes. I'll let yeah. Aaron, take us through that.
3: <laughs> no, coach is right. <laughs> coach is right. So I forgot we went up 2-0. Uh, you know, so it was, it was a ball that was played um, over the top, kind of like kind of muscled the guy off. And then it was left. It was me. It was one-on-one with, with their with their center back. And I ended up cutting him to the left. And then it was one-on-one with the goalkeeper. I ended up putting it around the goalkeeper. I was so and what do, you, what do
1: you do after you scored, AP? I, I ended up having to take my shirt off. <laughs> <I took laughs> and he's flexing for the crowd.
2: <laughs> That's great.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: So, so that, no, that, was a, that, was, that was one of the best moments. And then, and then they end up getting a fluke goal off of, like, I think the guy tried to cross the ball and ended up going to the back of the net. But to give credit to our defense, our defense held strong in those last, I think, of two minutes. It was like we had ball in the box. We were scrambling to get it out ended up clearing it and time ran out on them. And we're, we were all happy to, to be
0: able to move on. So wins over BC and Princeton and FDU is in the Sweet 16. Uh, it's a place that the program would be on multiple occasions uh, during uh, Coach Roland's tenure. Um, this I believe was your first trip to the Sweet 16, Coach Roland. But now you're facing a Seton Hall team with a chance to advance to the NCAA quarterfinal. What do you remember approaching that Seton Hall match? Because you had played them earlier in the year. And then what do you remember heading into the match and then how it unfolded? That day in South Orange, where you guys punched a ticket to the Elite Eight. Go ahead, Johnny, because you
1: it. you didn't play. We beat Princeton without Johnny. Remember, because he had to sit out the game that he got two recorded. yellow cards. Yeah, in the Boston so, College match. Yeah, Johnny's flying. We got another chance. We got another game going to Sweet Sixteen. Standing room only. Almost. A couple thousand fans are on the parking deck roof because guys couldn't get in. They turned it away. You know, they were standing room only. And then
2: Johnny's in the lineup. So he's flying. So you tell that story, Johnny. Well, yeah. uh, First of all, I was grateful that I had another opportunity to play, especially because I knew that this was a special team and a special season. And this is no slight against Seton Hall, but when we found out that we were playing Seton Hall, who had just beat Virginia in Virginia, um, I felt good about it. You know, and again, it has not. You know, no disrespect to Seton Hall, but I actually felt that we were going to win the game, and that the cards fell the way you know very favorable for us. And like Coach said, that was you know I've never seen in a college game, at least from my experience, so many people to watch a game between two teams. Like it was crazy. And uh, you know we got on the field and like we've done all year long we defended well and we countered and Aaron was a handful for them very dangerous and our defense played phenomenal and you know we were very fortunate to come away with win but we won and it's uh we all believed that we would win and uh, it was it was a, a great experience and I remember at the end of the game the news you know the news reporters were doing interviews and it was it was surreal it was crazy it was, but it was a great experience and I actually you know like I said, from the beginning, I, I knew that I didn't know, but I felt strongly that we were going to win the game because this was going to be our season. So, and it, it worked out. And as it turns out,
0: you know, that win kind of made you the Kings of New Jersey soccer that year. You, you beat Princeton, you beat Seton hall. I believe Rutgers, which has had a great program over the years, they were eliminated in the NCAA tournament in that round. So you were the last New Jersey team alive playing for an NCAA championship um, in the Elite Eight. Aaron, you assisted on the game-winning goal against Seton Hall, one nil victory to send you guys into the Elite Eight. What do you remember about that day in South Orange?
3: Oh, I knew it was, you know, coming off like what, how many overtimes? About a total of seven, <laughs> seven maybe, <laughs> you know? um, and, and playing a tough scene hall team, you know, at, you know, on their home field. And just like these two guys said, it was a crowded, you know, it was, it was a fun game. It was, we, you know, there was a lot of people in the stands and um, and just going back on that game and on that goal was, you know, I don't know, Tafari made a run down the left-hand side, <laughs> came, came, came down and she and found me at the, uh, like in 18. And, and luckily two of the guys came with me and, and I ended up back healing it to, to, to Tafari and he ended up putting it in the back of the net. And, um, you know, just looking at that, looking at that tape and at that video that, we, that was on Twitter and, and that coach posted not too long ago to watch that moment and just us after Tafari scoring and we're all going crazy and his celebration, you know, was, was, you know, was fun to watch, you know, so um, fun game and, you know, environment and, you know, just to go back on that memory, it was, it was
1: amazing. And Ralph, you were alluding to, they beat us 4-1 in the middle of the season. They crushed us. 4-1 four1 at their place, same field in the middle of the season. Yeah. But we were a different team. We had won nine in a row. We had made some adjustments, won nine in a row going into that game. That's as close to a derby as you could find in college soccer. Derby meaning two rivals from the same same uh, location, same city or a, a great rivalry. And so you had, unbelievable support for both teams in the in the stands and so it was it was just a great fun environment and our guys responded after after losing on that field 4-1 a month earlier six weeks earlier by
0: winning in the sweet 16 so it was FDU one Seton Hall nothing in the NCAA round of 16 Now it's on to the elite eight, you face a a historically well-known program in North Carolina. Aaron, you mentioned the amount of soccer your team had played, just the minutes you had been logging, four overtimes in the NEC title match, three overtimes in a first round win over Boston College. Now you take a lead, one nothing at North Carolina. You wind up falling three two in three overtimes. The one hundred and twenty sixth minute. Take us back to that day in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Well, we, we you
3: know we knew just going to play North Carolina was a was a huge task. You know what I mean. Um, you know, and um, for for what I can remember, you know, going down there and you know, and, and it, it was it was it was crowded. You know, they, they they had a decent they had a decent crowd, and I think we ended up busting in uh, maybe sixty or seventy players, even my my wife included. You know, and, you know coming down to the game and um, and just playing in an environment like that and playing against I don't know, coach I don't know how many All Americans that they have.
1: Well, they had nine guys. Who within two years went on to play uh, MLS or second division back then. Uh, So they were they were an extremely talented team.
3: Yep, and we knew we knew going into the game we just had to um, you know just hold our shape. And I thought we did a good job, you know, holding our shape. They moved the ball around pretty well, and we held we held our shape, and uh, we didn't really give them any. Any dangerous chances, you know, in um in the first half, and, and you know I ended up latching onto a ball where we was played and ended up beating one of the, um, the defenders, and the goalkeeper came out, and I tried to go around him, and he ended up bouncing the ball off my leg and just bouncing off my shin and going into the goal. So we, you know, we go up one zero, and we go into halftime, and I'm telling these, I'm telling our guys, hey, if we could just hang on. Another 40 minutes,
0: 45 minutes. (laughs) That's
3: that's all we need. (laughs) And then we're in the final four, you know, and, you know, and we end up, we end up holding our own. And, uh, you know, it was unlucky
0: that we didn't come out to win, but we played, we had a great game. We played a great game. So Aaron scores in the 20th minute, 1-0 over North Carolina at halftime. They scored two goals within about a four-minute span and then FDU gets a PK late in regulation to tie the game at two. Johnny, what do you remember about that second half?
2: Yeah, like like Aaron said, uh, at halftime, we were all thinking, if we can just hold off for another half, we'll be in the promised land. We'll make it to the Final Four, and who would have thought that? And um, unfortunately, after they scored their second goal, I kind of thought to myself, "Oh man, the dream, the, the dream is over." But uh, was it you, Aaron, who got the PK for us in the second half?
3: Yeah. So on that on that play, the ball ended up being cleared. Came up, it came to me at the top of the the top of the 18. Took a touch into the 18, and one of the guys, actually the, the, the guy that actually played uh, MLS, uh, David, yes. I think his yes. name was David Stokes, ended up slipping. And he slipped, and his hand landed right onto the ball in the box for a PK for us.
2: <laughs> yeah. So and then um, I think.
3: Uh,
2: yep. Yeah. No, go no, ahead, no, go ahead. No, Josh. no. So like, we got the PK. Their cell steps up and scores a PK. It's two two, and I'm thinking, man, we're we're gonna win this. Even if we even if we go into PKs, we're gonna win this. And we know we fought so hard. Man, I've never defended so much so hard in my life. No, everyone was working really. You know, they were they were busting their butts for the team, and uh, like I said, we had a lot of minutes. Not to mention, we had a long preseason. We were in England, so we played a lot of soccer that year. That's I mean, that's a lot a lot of months of a lot of games within a you know short amount of time, and I think towards the end maybe we got a little tired and we caught up with us. And, and I know they scored a a fluke goal as well. Uh, who knows what would have happened if they didn't score that goal? I think maybe in my opinion we would have won in PKs. That's just me. Uh, but it was, it was heartbreaking man because we we had a great season we worked so hard and i felt like there was you know the the, uh, the soccer gods were with us you know that we were going to make it to the final four after we got that pk to tie the game but unfortunately that's life you know but it was a great experience and you know it's something i'll remember forever
1: there are some stories here though some some stories we got to tell first of all and i don't even know if these guys know this it was december 8th and wake up early and walk outside the hotel with Alex Pasucci, who is my great assistant coach for like 20 years. All right. We also had Ethan Zahn who won Survivor as our goalkeeper coach and Rob Edgar, who was a player on the 2000 championship team was doing grad work and he was a volunteer assistant on that team. Okay. And, uh, We walk outside the hotel at, like, 7 or 8 a.m., and it's hot. It turned out to be 79 degrees on December 8th, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, this could be a problem, because Caroline is, like, 18th player. Not only were they talented in their starting 11, but their 18th player was, like, as good as our fifth player. (laughs) And so, you know i'm like oh brother this could be a problem so it was hot it was 79 degrees when we're playing three overtimes that's number one number two i'll turn this part over to ap ap it was one nil and what happened who did you get on for coming out
2: and then they scored two goals you too yeah yeah,
3: yeah no i <laughs> no coach is right i ended up getting on brian scott because Brian Scott did a uh, Brian Brian Scott did an excellent job on one of their 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 striker. I think he was probably like six. It had to be like six two or something like that. You know, big, he was their guy. leading scorer. Yeah, yeah. And and Brian Brian did a great job defending him on corner kicks on, on on set pieces. You know, just did a just did a great job. And and Brian was tired. He was exhausted too. You know, no, <laughs> he, he twisted exhausted. his ankle. He tweaked. His oh yeah, ankle. yeah. He put-
1: by yeah, the end yeah, line, and then he
3: had to come off. Yeah. And he had to come off. And I'm like, Brian, just come on, man. You could just, just hang in there for us. Just you know. And then sure. he ended up coming off and, and during the time he was off. That's when the, the guy scored ended up scoring two goals on us.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Ralph, he Scotty is a mean guy on the field. <laughs> Scotty was intimidating, he was mean, he was so tough. And I think he had this guy a little intimidated. And and so we're winning 1-0. And it's like in the with 21 minutes to go and 17 to go, or 19 and 15, Scotty, a couple minutes before, had to come off, tweaked his ankle, AP is on him. Come on, Scotty. The guy goes off, Scotty goes off, and he scores two goals in four minutes. Scotty then thinks he could come back on. He comes back on and the game is winding down and a ball gets cleared. Like, I don't know, 50 yards and AP runs onto it and he's getting in the box. And their guy Stokes uh, falls, but AP, I don't think he remembers this. He grabs the ball because AP could touch it by him and go in one-on-one. He grabs it. And another part of the story is Brian Romero who to this day is the toughest guy I've ever coached in my entire life. 30-something years, been a New York City cop for almost 20 years. It's a PK. And I, he was our captain. I say, Brian, you got it. And he looks at me and goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> and Derseo's going, me, coach, me. And I just go, okay. And <laughs> Derseo put in the upper ninety. And it's 2-2 with 31 seconds to go in the game, and we go in overtime. And I just said to the guys at one point, I go, isn't this great? I mean, this is so much fun. Let's just keep going. And
0: And you played another 36 minutes after that. I mean, that's quite incredible when you think about it. Um, More than two hours of uh, soccer there against – Uh, powerhouse in their own backyard. They became national champs two games later. Yeah. And they went on to win it all. So I think a perfect way to end this segment about the North Carolina game is, Coach Roland, why don't you tell us what you have uh, sitting there over your right shoulder?
1: Yeah, this was front page of the sports section of the Bergen record. Uh, the, the newspaper with the highest circulation in New Jersey, the day of the game, uh, that morning, it came out with an article, color picture, inside continued it, a team of destiny. And, and I think that's a, uh, a fair assessment and fair label to put on this team. It was It was a team of destiny. And we came one goal short of of making the final four but for uh, a team a school and a program you know an institution of our size to knock off the big boys and to come within one goal of the final four losing to the eventual national champions i mean we we you know i look back on it and we were a team of destiny and these guys are unbelievable and some other guys that we didn't mention, Tony Nylander, uh, Christian Bustos. Uh, you know, we just had, you know, a great group of guys and, and Eric Big Show Brandt. You know, we, these guys were something special. And I know that term gets thrown around a lot, but it would be hard. Uh, hard to argue against the fact that these guys were something special and that team was
0: something special. Well, I think the resume speaks for itself. Three NCAA tournament wins and really pushing North Carolina, the eventual national champion, to the brink. Uh, I think a team of destiny is an appropriate way to label it and remember it And of course, 20 years later now, nearly 20 years later, we're still talking about it. And uh, my thoughts is when the NEC has its 60th anniversary, um, maybe we can bring you back and we can go down memory lane once again. But this is an NEC memorable moment, Fairleigh Dickinson 2001 men's soccer elite eight head coach Seth Rowland, midfielder Johnny David, striker Aaron Pay for the NEC. I'm Ralph Venturi. Thank you so much for watching this NEC memorable moment.